Hi, my name is Marcos Bertone of the Sacramento Bee, and you're listening to Sacramento's only soccer-specific podcast. What is going on, soccer fans, and welcome to the number one soccer-specific podcast in Sacramento, the Sacktown FC Podcast, an official partner with the California Storm and sponsored by Roughneck Scarves. Check them out at roughneckscarves.com and race your game today. My name is Danny, and I am joined, as usual, by my co-host, John, Michael, and Luis. How are you guys doing today? And I'm I'm doing good. I'm I'm pumped. It's another it's another day. It feels like a Monday, but it's actually Thursday. Uh, all days run together now, and um, I, I think I'm going to need to trim this beard soon because my son, after my run today, called me a buffalo. So Tyson Fury and a buffalo have been my two go tos this week. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I'm I'm doing well. Just uh, staying really really busy for a quarantine. It's a little a little ridiculous actually, but um. Yeah, staying busy, getting things done. Yeah, I'm doing good too. Um, I'm staying busy a lot too. Um, as you know, we've mentioned before, we we have uh, a lot of podcasts that you know are just waiting to be released for for everyone to listen to. So, you know, excited to to be posting all the episodes that we have on on reserve. Awesome. So today, joining us via the Makuni Dreamline is a staple of Sacramento journalism, who has been with the B the last 31 years. He's a Kings fan and at times may be known to get emotional about his favorite soccer team, Arsenal. We'd like to welcome Marcos Bertone to the podcast. Marcos, thank you for taking time this evening to join us. How are things going during this time? My pleasure. and pleasure. It's, it's doing well. I'm sheltering in place, uh, working as I shelter in place, and uh, trying to keep it together. So, uh, Marcos, you know, let's, let's start, you know, with, with your beginning uh, of uh, – Soccer, um, how did you fall in love with the game or, you know, even Arsenal? As we see, you were in the Arsenal jersey. Well, Arsenal came later. So my first, my first big exposure <clears throat> to the game was, and I'm significantly older than all you chaps, but I was uh, a young lad uh, in San Jose, California in the early 70s. 1974 to be exact, uh, and that was the first season of the San Jose earthquakes in the, in the old North American soccer league. And my father, the late uh, Reynaldo Breton was from Mexico, loved the game. And my father had befriended a community of Spaniards and Argentines who lived in San Jose and what they all had in common was the game. And so when they discovered that uh, professional soccer was being played in San Jose, we would all go to old Spartan stadium before it was renovated. And, the first game I went to in 74 uh, was the Earthquakes and the New York Cosmos. This was the year, the season before Pele joined. And Shep Messing was in goal for the Cosmos that night. And the Earthquakes prevailed. And it was it hit San Jose like a tornado. Not to mix uh, earthquakes and tornadoes as a metaphor, but... Uh, you know, growing up in San Jose was, I think, a lot like it was growing up in Sacramento at that time because we didn't have our own team. Uh, and so when we finally had a team that said San Jose on the front, people just lost their minds. And this was years before the San Jose Sharks ever came to town. And, and so soccer became a sensation in, in San Jose that season. And, um, 
and for many seasons after that. And in fact, um, the next season in 1975, <clears throat> a young announcer from the Bay Area who had been fired by the Oakland A's and couldn't get a job in baseball named John Miller became the broadcaster for the San Jose Earthquakes. And we used to, our, our group used to sit way up at the top, right underneath the broadcast booth. I could hear John Miller screaming his head off, covering soccer. And it's amazing to think about it now. He was, he's, a, he's a Hall of Famer, and for about three seasons, he couldn't find work in baseball. So he became a very good soccer announcer. And 75 was also the season that Pele came to the North American Soccer League, and it generated a level of interest in soccer that people had never seen before. And so, because when, you know, I'm in 12 or 13 at the time, there's very little soccer in schools. Nobody, very few people played. Uh, and so I went to see Pele the first time that he played uh, in San Jose. And my friends and I walked about three miles one way from our house to Spartan Stadium. And we walked in and the stadium was wide open. Uh, and we waited for Pele to come out and he came out. My friends were Portuguese, and they communicated with him in his native language. And I got my one and only autograph I've ever asked for in my life from Pele. And, of course, three days later, I lost it. Uh, but we saw him, uh, and he was a legend. And so that's where it began with me. And then, you know, with the, with the friends that my father had, and they were really tapped into, you know, the little nascent soccer community that existed then. And we would go to Kizar Stadium when it was still there. Uh, and I remember in 75, we saw uh, the Mexican national team play against East Germany. Uh, and some of you kids might not remember that there actually was an East Germany at one point in time. It was, it was a communist country. And my, obviously my, my family's from Mexico. And so that was when I, I was unfortunately indoctrinated into El Tri. And the, and the pain and suffering that goes with that because we took the lead uh, and, then, and then the Germans scored three unanswered goals in the last five minutes and we lost. My father was furious and I was, I was devastated. And that, as it turned out, was an omen for my life since then and, and what L3 has done to me uh, ever since. It had, nothing has changed since that first experience. So... That's where it began with me. Arsenal came much later for me, but for me it was it was um, it was uh, the North American Soccer League and, and and going to Spartan Stadium and and I got to see great players and, and you know one of one of my biggest thrills as a as a sports fan was witnessing George Best playing for the Earthquakes in 1981. And if you if you Google George Best goal San Jose earthquakes you will see it's the most amazing athletic feat that I have ever personally witnessed google it watch it uh because he single-handedly scored a goal um uh, that was just unbelievable where he, where he basically slalomed through the entire defense of the Tampa Bay Rowdies and scored a goal that people still talk about today and, uh, you know, we, we all learned who George Best was and what, an, what a legend he was. And, but, you know, al obviously alcoholism undermined his career. But I, I got to see some of these players, and I fell in love with the game, even though, you know, it's not – it wasn't as available 
to kids than the way it is now. It was this was the stone age of soccer in the United States, and that's that's where I got my first exposure, and, and that's where I learned to love the game. Yeah, I know what you mean about El Tri. Like as you were saying that that game, it reminded me of the game against the Netherlands in 2014, where oh. you know we had it and then we just kind of lost it there. So I mean, um, things, it, it wasn't a penalty kick. <laughs> number one, but before the penalty kick, number one, it wasn't a penalty kick. <laughs> it wasn't a penalty kick. Okay, so now I'm getting pissed off. So so <laughs> so they stopped the game and they gave everybody a cooling break and and that to me was like the 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 dutch they were wilting they were you could see them their body language they were drooping and we had them i mean we had them but but so that i was trying to think which which loss has been the most painful that one or the dosa seto one in two in in 2002 Ooh. Or to me, the the loss against Germany in the round of 16 in 1998, where we were up one nothing, and then Luis Hernandez had a wide open point blank point blank shot at the goal, and he missed. And then the Germans rallied and and won two to one. That one killed me. Uh, or the or the Dutch one where Arjen Robin. I watched that game at De Beers. And, and it was all I could do not to turn a table over and throw my beer glass through the window because uh, I had friends with the owners and, and I didn't want to get in, I didn't want to be incarcerated that day. But, but uh, that's been my life uh, with this team. And, and, and I can, my dad's been gone for a long time now, but I can still hear him the morning after I told him that we had lost two nothing to the United States. And, and, and I still hear like the tirade that he threw. And that's just been our life. That's been our life. And, and I still wonder, why is it that Mexico, a country of 100 million people, great weather, wealth, facilities, they have everything going for it. And why, why, why can we not get past the round of 16? Why do we not have a whole host of players playing in Europe the way the Argentines do? Why? And I've never been able to get a great uh, a great answer to that, but that's been like that's been like the the the, the rant of my life as a soccer. Uh, I would probably say that uh, I mean the, one of the reasons I know that we don't get that many players out there is that players want too much money. They get paid way too much. I feel like they they're really overpaid in uh, Liga Mekis. The moment they start carrying down those salaries and they get paid what they you know what you know Argentinians Brazilians get paid. I think we're going to see more players actually make the, the, the trip to Europe too. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully that changes. But I, I did want to ask, since uh, you said your family's from Mexico, do you guys have a team in Liga Mekis that you guys have been supporting? Or? Yeah, so, so I haven't followed it as closely in the last 10 years. But my, my people are for America, okay? And, um, and I actually have been to... The Estadio Azteca, and I was there the night that Mexico won the World Cup for under 17s in 2005. I was there to cover the 49ers against the Arizona Cardinals, 
And before the kickoff for their first NFL game on foreign soil, they had on the Jumbotron Mexico winning the Junior World Cup. And in Spanish, we say, tembló la tierra, the, the earth shook. And it shook because if you've ever been to Azteca, it's kind of like Thunderdome. It, it, it is like, it's like, a, it's like this tower sound. And, and these different levels of the stadium. And when, when that game was over, and people were there to see an NFL game, but when that game was over, I mean, that whole stadium shook uh, with emotion. And at that time, we thought that, um, that we were planting the seeds for what would hopefully become a, a World Cup victory, for what, that those kids would grow up uh, and unfortunately, what's happened is, um, you know, Carlos Vela and Gio and all those guys, they became nice players, okay? But, but uh, I don't know. I don't think that they became the players that we thought that they would. And I don't know. I don't know enough about the league as to why that is. But my, my people were, are for uh, America and very much against Chivas. Uh, and so that was always a, like a bone of contention living in Sacramento because when you go to the Taquerias, everybody's a Chivas fan or Pumas or one of those teams. And I don't have it anymore, but I used to wear this uh, America shirt. So I would, get, <clears throat> I would get grief bilingually in that. I would get grief from the Mexicans because it said they, they recognized the America logo. And then I would get grief from Americans because it said bimbo on the front. Bimbo. Now, in bimbo in English, in, in, that has a completely different connotation that a gentleman does not want to be associated with. Um, and so, so I would take a lot of abuse when I used to wear that shirt. But, but I wore it, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and I still love America, even, even though I haven't really closely followed them for, for a little while. So yeah, I, I had a really good experience at the Estadio Azteca last time I went. It was uh, during uh, Memo Choa's first game back, uh, playing against Cruz Azul, where they got destroyed five to two. I had a great time that that game. Yeah, Memo. Uh, these these two are uh, Danny and Luis are huge Cruz Azul fans. So yeah, I saw Cruz Azul when they played at Rally Field. Were you guys there? I was there for that. Um, this is like what. Six years ago, seven Six, years seven ago, years maybe ago, yeah. even longer. Um, I, I wanted to go to it, but yeah, sadly I couldn't. Yeah, I was there. I wrote about it for the paper. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, they were they were in West Sacramento. Then they they're playing against Monterrey. The game was over, and then those guys got in a fight. It was it was pretty um, funny, yeah. but uh, there was great atmosphere at the stadium. Even though Rayleigh Field is not a great place to watch a soccer game. Oh no, definitely not. <laughs> So, Marcos, uh, this past year, we had the excitement of the announcement for uh, MLS. At the time, what was your feeling about the impact that that announcement, before so, what impact did you think the announcement would have on the region? And then well, what do you see it as now? What was, what's the impact now of MLS? So it's hard to see it now because we're, you know, we're in the middle of this pandemic and we're all, all of our lives have been, have been put on on pause essentially but uh myself and my colleague tony bijak we broke that story for the for the paper and uh and so we were we were in 
uh, and and privy to the um, the negotiations at the end, and it was something that was um, a big priority for the city uh, for two reasons. One, um, because uh, it having an MLS team uh, is an amenity that kind of lifts the city uh, on a lot of different levels, not just economically, but uh, in terms of, of being a, 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 a symbol of, of success and affluence and, uh, in the community. And, and it, it, it became like, it's become like a tool that, uh, that people who try to sell Sacramento to companies to relocate that the MLS stadium and the team become part of that pitch, that that people can relocate to Sacramento, uh, and that their their employees uh, uh, will have, you know, different things that they would, would enjoy doing, and that, that that would that would improve their quality of life. And so, so it, it was on that level, but it was also on the level of professional sports and. As I said earlier, when when, when I was growing up in San Jose, that it's it's very powerful when you have a team and, and it says Sacramento on the front, um, uh, and particularly a team with one of the one of the ma- one of the five major sports leagues. And so, you know, I'm a big Rivercats fan. I love what they do. They're a great AAA team for for the Giants and before that the A's. But but uh, MLS is the highest level of soccer in the United States, and the fact that we will have um, Built-in rivalries, not just with the San Jose Earthquakes, uh, but with Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, uh, the, the LA teams. Um, th- those are all you know, huge opportunities for people to really tap into the regional rivalries that exist between our cities and theirs. Uh, and so, so when it happened, um, I, I've reflected back on the very first conversation I had about. Republic with Warren Smith, who whose idea uh, he really championed the idea of the of the Sac Republic, and he and I went to De Beers and we both had pints of Guinness, and he told me I, I've got this idea and I want you to I want you to tell me what you think, and he he spelled it off for me, and it's just me and him in the dining room on a on a weekday afternoon, and when he was done, I said to him, sign me up. What 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 can I do uh, to help? And I became uh, uh, like a big cheerleader for the whole process initially, and so, so I, to think when 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 Gene when uh, when when Garber was at, Don Garber was in town to announce uh, that Sacramento had gotten it, I thought back to that first time that we had beer, and it was and it's amazing how just a crazy idea discussed over beers has become, you know. Uh, uh, professional soccer for Sacramento, and it also creates for all of us, all of us on this podcast. Uh, we become part of a larger soccer community. Uh, and so I'm looking forward to being able to write about soccer, but not just, not just uh, Republic soccer, but also to be able to, to write about soccer at large. And, and, and obviously, I, before the, the league shut down, I, I, I spent a lot of my life watching English Premier League soccer. And, and I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I, I, I power watched uh, – Sunderland till I die on on Netflix and it was just an unbelievable show and I I uh, I, I 
I related to particularly the agony that you go through when you're following a club and, and the way your emotions are just naked and, and, uh, and, and often how the game will just like crush your heart. I think all those things uh, are, are really great things for Sacramento to experience. And I, 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 I can't wait for it to happen. It seems like a long ways off now, given the fact that we're all sheltering in place, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So, Marcos, what do you think the uh, new stadium will do for the downtown area? Well, I mean, so having driven past that godforsaken patch of dirt for 30 years and looking at it and being embarrassed by it and having relatives from my town going, what's that over there? Uh, and, and I would say, like, oh, that's the rail yards, and someday – and it, it got to the point where, where uh, some of my relatives were like, Marcus, you've been saying that for like 15 years now. It's never going to happen. So with Republic coming, it proves that it is going to happen. Uh, it's going to happen in our lifetimes. And we're actually going to see life there. And so it's eventually going to lead to a doubling of the size of, of downtown Sacramento. Very few cities can say that. And I think that's been part of, part of the reason why I've stayed here, where – you know, I, when I first came here, I thought I'd be here two or three years and I'd go to L.A. or go to New York. And then those opportunities presented themselves and we stayed. Uh, and there, was, there were times where I wondered if I made the right decision. But I, now I, when I look at that patch of dirt, I think I did make the right decision because a lot of these cities are completely grown out and ours is still evolving in that sense. And so we're, we're witnessing this happen in real time and the Republic Stadium and the the the, the, the the, the space around it, all the acreage around it, they're going to create this big public space that hopefully in our own way is going to be like what they have in Seattle or what they have in Portland, where, where all kinds of different people come together, uh, you know, different, different colors, different political ideologies, different economic uh, groups, but, but we're all uh, wanting Republic to win. Uh, and, and that was the, that was the imagery that, that they came up with in the first video for the team before they'd ever played a game. And, and that's what I fell in love with. Uh, the idea of Sacramento as a Republic of, of different people. And so hopefully that's what we're going to be experiencing. Yeah. The sleepy little city is definitely starting to wake up. I love it. Yep. Um, now in an article, we're going to hit the, the way back machine here. Now, Marcos, uh, December, yep, yep. 2013, Headline reads, pro soccer would burnish Sacramento sports rep reputation. Do you still think that's going to be true? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. Um, you know, obviously we, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to make all these things happen. And, and uh, when, when I look back on it, it's amazing at how, how long it takes, uh, you know, to, to get an investment going and then to do all the planning and stuff. But I hope so. I hope so. Um, in some ways it seems like a long time, but in other ways, you know, it, 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 it really hasn't been. So hopefully, hopefully that will happen. Yeah, ho hopefully that's the hope, you know, when MLS is here that, that we, we get to see that. So Marcos, you know, you, you've been with the B since 89. And as we know, during that time, we've seen, different Sacramento sport franchise just come and go. I know one of those that comes to mind is, is the 
Sacramento Knights that our co-host yeah. here, John, used to work for. Um, <laughs> in your opinion, what has made the Republic different from these teams? Well, um, I mean, the Knights were just, uh, unfortunately, they were, they were victimized by an ownership group that just ran out of money. So they were, they were part of the, the dismantling of, uh, 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 of, uh, of what we thought was going to be an empire and proved to be just a mirage. And, you know, I wrote a lot of column inches on that time and it was, it was pretty ugly. So that, that was really unfortunate. I think what, what separates the Republic from that is I think both the MLS and the Republic, uh, uh, are, are built on self-sustaining models where, um, you know, the investment is there, the support is there. And, um, uh, and so, so that, that was not there for the Knights. And, uh, and it's unfortunate because the, the Knights were, were loved and, and it was a great thing for Sacramento at that time and really kind of pushed the, Push the the ball forward, and those were those were really exciting times. But uh, you know, we've evolved to where we are now. The sports have evolved to where they are now. Uh, you know, just in the time that the the Republic were trying to get into MLS, the 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 end the the franchise fee went from seventy five million to like three hundred million. Just yeah, in the time, million. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and so, so we were able to, you know, we had an owner who was able to, uh, put up that money and, 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 and afford it. And that's always been the, the downfall of some Sacramento sports is the, the owners definitely had the love and the passion, but not the funds. Uh, and in this case, you know, whether the love and the passion are there, uh, for Mr. Burkle and some of these folks, I have no idea, but the money definitely is there. Uh, and so, so the hope is that they, that they hire good, smart people and that, that we're competitive. I'm one who I have to tell you, I am one who is not big on the idea of relegation in American soccer at this juncture, because I'm afraid that we'd be one of those teams that was relegated. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, our team needs time to establish itself and, and look, having watched Sunderland till I die uh, and, and hung on every minute, there is a major impact when your budget is for a Premier League team, but your team is playing on, in the third tier, uh, and, and, and every single employee at the team is living and dying with that team being able to get up to the next level, and, and, and so the economics will work. And so... I don't think why well, I, I get where soccer fans are coming from, particularly the purists. I mean, and let's face it, there is no uh, more zealous uh, sports fan than a purist soccer fan. Uh, and I respect that. But I do think that we have to um, walk before we run. Uh, and that, uh, you know, I, I think what be, would be what would be more realistic initially would be perhaps aligning our our soccer calendar with everybody else's soccer calendar, which still presents problems. Let's face it in this in 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 the in the American sports market for playing soccer in 
December, January, February, and then being off in the summer. Right. You know, I mean, so so I get it when the when the Europeans and and when others make comments about that in, in my past, or is it's it's just different in the United States. And so so um, so my hope is that our team, Republic, can have. Uh, some time to establish itself because it takes time, uh, and then and then maybe at, at some point in the future we can talk about relegation and all these other things. Yeah, great point. Uh, we've talked about that a lot. With in terms of getting the reputation that you know MLS wants, you gotta you gotta do something to go more on par with Europe. But um, you know, with us having a team in MLS uh, with the Republic, does it make sense? Uh, we are an official partner with the storm. Does it make sense that the storm uh, joined the NWSL um, coming up here in the next year or two? Look, I mean, I, as a father of daughters, um, I, I am, I have become like a big convert on women's sports and, and I love, um, frankly, uh, I have, gotten far more pleasure watching the U.S. women's national soccer team in the last couple of World Cup cycles than I have the men. Um, I had such high hopes um, when Jurgen Klinsmann became the manager, technical director, uh, and it just it obviously did not go the way any of us uh, would have wanted. And we seem to have gone backwards uh, on the men's side, whereas the women – uh, even though the world kind of caught up with them, uh, reestablished themselves. Um, and, uh, uh, and so I, I would love to see, uh, you know, um, that happen. Um, and, and women's soccer really promoted, uh, and, you know, I mean, Megan Rapinoe really, uh, uh, catapulted to where she is now from youth soccer in Elk Grove, California, commuting all the way from Reading. Um, and, and that experience, uh, I think, really prepared her uh, to go where she is now. And so, so we have that as part of our culture. And, and, and I, I think that any, any chance to, to really promote women's sports uh, would, would be a good one. So, Marcos, with, with – a lot of the leagues calling off their season and some clinging at life. Do you think we will see Arsenal get an opportunity to play for a place in Europe? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So this season uh, for Arsenal, for Arsenal, there, see. Um, and, and the thing is, I, I, I was dreading the start of the season because it, I had, I had spent the summer telling myself that Unai Emery wasn't really wasn't as bad as I, as I thought he was. Uh, and it was just, you know, he seems like a really class guy and, and in Spanish, he's very articulate and he just was never able to master the English language. And he was, I just don't think that he was communicating clearly when you, you, when you manage PSG and, uh, and you win, a couple of Europa leagues. I mean, he's a good manager, but it just did not work uh, with Arsenal. And maybe, maybe anybody who would have taken that job was going to struggle following a legend who had been the manager for 22 years uh, before that. And, and, 
you know, look, I'm an I'm an honest Arsenal fan. Our, uh, you know, I witnessed the Invincibles in 2004, and then, you know, we we reached the World Cup, we reached the, the Champions League final in 2006, and it's been a slow deterioration for a lot of different reasons, not the least of which is that, uh, you know, a tremendous amount of money came into the Premier League and you started seeing uh, foreign owners come in and, and really, you know, turn Manchester City into a powerhouse. And when I first became a Premier League fan, it was Arsenal against Manchester United. Was It wasn't only the, the showcase for the Premier League. It was a showcase for club soccer the world over. Uh, and clearly that is no longer the case. And so for us – this season was kind of like the rock bottom uh, of, of, a, of a slow deterioration. Uh, and so um, we weren't going to, uh, I mean, the only way we were going to get in is if we somehow were able to rally and, and end up in the top four, but it was still a long shot when everything got shut down. And so the only thing that we could sort of hang our hat on was, that uh, we were playing better, that uh, they were uh, responding to Michael Arteta, that Arteta had, had figured out how to keep the defense solid um, without sacrificing too much going forward. And, and Emery was never able to figure out that balance. It wasn't all his fault. The team was really unbalanced when he took it over. Uh, and you have a bunch of guys who played the same position and you're trying to fit them into different positions. And then all the defensive players, uh, virtually all of them, had major injuries. Uh, and, and then we lost Nacho Monreal. We lost Koscielny. We, you know, we, we lost key players at the start of the season because they didn't want to play for Emery anymore. So – it was no surprise. If you paid attention to Arsenal, it was no surprise to see us struggling so much. And so now, you know, I watch these YouTube games uh, when, and you know, uh, forgive forgive me, Michael, but when we used to kick Liverpool's ass routinely, uh, and and I remember that those days are long gone. We have not beaten. We have not beaten uh, Liverpool while Klopp has been there. We've tied, but we've never beaten them. Uh, and so, so we need to we need to have a big summer, such as it is. I don't know what kind of summer that anybody's going to have, but we need to have a big summer, and and we need to give Arteta time to to but to bring in the players and, and turn the squad over. Uh, and, and get a balanced team. But we have a lot of really exciting young players. Martinelli has been, you know, unbelievable. And, and Saka has, you know, those two, Martinelli and Saka, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but, but uh, you know, you start to remember, you know, when it was, when it was Henri and Bergkamp way back in the day when you guys were, like, in grade school. Um, uh, so, you know, my hope is that we do get to play some games, um, even if it's late summer, uh, and that we at least have some momentum going into whenever the next season starts. But that's where we are. We're not like 
we're, we're not a we're not anywhere close to being a, a, a title contender. And that's the, the, the saddest part is that every year we were a title contender in the, until about 2008. And then, and then even, the, even when we lost that, we were still in Champions League every year. Uh, and we even, you know, uh, we, we reached the quarters one time and unfortunately Liverpool knocked us out. But, um, uh, you know, we used to be able to go into any stadium and have a chance to win. And we, we, ha- we haven't been that team. And, and my hope is that we will be that team again someday. Yeah, definitely. The uh, Burkamp and Percy, I remember watching Vieira and those guys. Yeah, they, were, they were frightening. Um, now, not to uh, rally you up some more, but as far as Arsenal, do, do you think they're going to be able to keep their top players this transfer window, if we even get a transfer window? So, you know, so Obama Young is... Well, he's at the point where if, if Arsene Wenger were still the manager, he'd be going. Because uh, Wenger was not big on, on re-signing guys who were 29, 30. And if there's one thing that this period has taught me of losing, losing RVP, losing Cesc Fabregas, losing Samir Nasri, you know, uh, losing um, uh, uh, all these guys um, – Alex Song and, and Thomas Vermeilen and, and players who all went to bigger clubs, it's that a long time ago I stopped being emotional about individual players. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I think if you're a fan of a team, you can't – a fan of a soccer team, the way, the way European soccer is run, the way English soccer is run, you cannot become emotional about a player because he's not going to be around. Uh, and particularly if he doesn't want to be around, he's not going to be around. So, so whether Obama Yang comes back is really the way, the way the Premier League, it seems to me, if, if he wants to be there, he'll be there. And if he doesn't want to be there, he'll be gone. And these guys never tell the truth in the moment. You find out in the summer. So we'll find out the truth, you know. And when, when uh, Robin Van Persie, I remember the, exactly the day that he announced that he was going, to Manchester United, and all these people were furious because he actually told the truth. He wanted to go play for a contender. I didn't blame him. He's 29 years old. He was at the end of his contract. Um, uh, and so, so I wished him well, and it, it killed me that he went to a rival and, the, you know, man, you won the league that year. But to me, they were going to win it anyway, with him or without him. But what really, to me, what really hurt, uh, and I'll never forgive him for his Cesc Fabregas, had four years left on his contract. He was a snake in the grass and weaseled his way out. And he let Xavi and his father and all these people badmouth Arsenal until they, they sold him for less than market value. And that really hurt our club. And I, I hate Barcelona because of that, because they they knocked out of champions a couple of times. And so, so, so these guys need to decide where they want to be. And they want to be, they want to, I don't, I would not blame Obama Yang if he left. I mean, the clock is turning and he wants to play Champions League soccer. And we, we, it, particularly if we don't play anymore, we can't give him that. So if he leaves, I will understand. And then we just have to move on from there. You're a better man than me, Marcos, because I still hold grudges with uh, Fernando Torres, Lu- Luis Suarez, uh, 
that broke yeah, my heart. This, this Suarez, I mean, and I think my, some of my uh, some of my Latino brothers would back me up on this. If you're a, if you're a Latin player and you're playing in England and you have a chance to bar go to Barcelona, you're gonna go. You're gonna go. That's the holy grail for Spanish speaking players is to go to Barcelona or Real Madrid. I hate Barcelona. I hate Barcelona, but uh, but uh, I understand uh, when those guys want to go there. Chances are they're going to sit the bench, and they're not going to make an impact. And there are plenty of Arsenal players who did that. Uh, Thomas Vermeilen, okay, he's played a little bit. Uh, Alexander Song ruined his career, leaving Arsenal and going to Barcelona. Alexander Haleb ruined his career uh, by going to Barcelona. So, so uh, you know, if those guys want to go there, you know, Good luck. Good luck. But chances are you're not going to play if you go there. And, yes, I hold grudges as well. Like, Cesc Fabregas, to me. And, you know, did I ever tell you that he, he trolled me on, on Twitter? No. Yes. And, it was, and I didn't realize it until, like, five days later. So he wrote – he did a, this Twitter post of, of – uh, uh, and, I, and I forget what it was, and I, and I, I responded to him and said that, when he left Arsenal, to, he left Arsenal to go sit the bench in Barcelona. And unbeknownst to me, until like five days later, he responded to me directly and said how he had he had not sat the bench and how he had scored these goals in cup games. Well, when I when I saw this, I saw this tweet because it, it didn't show up on my timeline, and it, a friend pointed it out to me because I wondered why did my my friends like like skyrocket overnight. It's because Cesc Fabregas was trolling me on Twitter, and he said something to the effect that he had scored like three goals in a cup game in the Copa del Rey. <laughs> what what I mean, what I know about Cesc Fabregas is the season before he went to Barcelona, they won Champions League, and the season after he left Barcelona, they won Champions League, and they didn't win it while he was there. So. Him scoring goals in Copa del Rey, I don't think the Catalans are going to write a song about him. You know what I mean? Uh, and so, so I have a special place in my heart for that guy because I, I really felt like he, he stabbed Arsene Wenger in the back when Wenger made him. Uh, but the other guys, they left. Okay, they left. And when Alexis Sanchez left, okay, it didn't do anything for his career. So if Obama Yang leaves, okay. I mean, I wouldn't blame him. Hey, Marco. So you were talking about this, and I just looked up. Um, I see you <laughs> I, no, no. So you're talking about this, and I found an article from this past November from Alex Capel. Cesc Fabregas puts down fan after he accused him of being a Barcelona bench warmer. As I read this, I'm going to post this on our on our Twitter because this is hilarious. And essentially, he's talking about you and it has the theme right here the one where yeah the one where you at arsenal captain you traded that to sit on the bench at barcelona yes and you have you responded to me yep demonstrates what a weenie this guy is that he is so insecure and he's going to respond to a nobody in sacramento california and so when I a friend of mine pointed out because the way I have Twitter is I got I literally did not see it on my mentions. So when I saw that, 
I, I just fell over. I fell off my chair laughing that this guy is so insecure that he would respond to me. So yes, uh, um, that that really did improve it improved my uh, my uh, my number of people following me. So for that, I, I thank Seth Fabregas very much. This is you awesome. should use that Kevin Durant burner account. Uh, yeah, this is this is good. Oh. So if you if you are on the Twitter machine, I posted it on Twitter. This is this is pretty <laughs> classic. But uh, let's uh, let us uh, get into uh, some interesting topic and challenge your um, fandom and kind of your your history that you know or that you can remember to this point. Oh my goodness! Okay, Luis. All right, so it's it's our favorite segment: new glory <laughs> rapid fire time. So here's how it works, uh, Marcos. We're gonna ask you uh, ten questions. You can only skip two but you won't know which one's after unless you pass or unless you choose to answer it at a later time, which we do give exceptions. That's a new rule. Um, So before we get started, um, today's rapid fire questions are brought to you by New Glory Beer. Check them out online at newglorybeer.com where you can now get their latest release of Pub and Place for $10 for a six pack. You can also order all beers online to be delivered in California. All right, Marco. So let's get started here with the uh, first question. I say questions. I love New Glory beer. Also, it's good beer. Gummy, the uh, gummy worm is the best. <laughs> gummy worms. I just had that last night. Uh, it's in my fridge. It's waiting for oh, me. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start with a tough one. Would you rather kiss the crest of the U.S. men's national team or Tottenham? Oh, uh, if you put a gun to my head. I would not kiss the Tottenham cross. Uh, so, so yes, the, the U.S. men's national team. Um, do you think in the next few years, uh, the Republic fan base will be more passionate and possibly larger than that of the Sacramento Kings? No. Why is Henry considered the greatest player in the history of the EPL? Thierry Henry, the king has been the most dynamic, the most prolific, the most stylish, the most uh, unbelievable player to ever wear a uniform since this became the Premier League. Uh, everybody knows that, uh, and, and, uh, and no one will ever shape me from that belief. I believe I think I saw you tweeting about that a few I tweet that ago about almost Tehran. every day. It's a daily phenomenon. <laughs> in the bio. It. It's basically his Bible of uh, his daily Bible of Henri. Uh, I, I believe I have lost many followers because of this, but I'm willing to make that sacrifice. I, I still, I'm, we still I'm follow you. you. We still, we still support you. Yeah. I'm with you, even as a Liverpool supporter. Henri was something special. Now, uh, what city in America would you say doesn't deserve a pro sports team? America doesn't deserve. Uh, so I would say Miami does not deserve a pro sports team, uh, uh, and it. Okay, so we have our team now, our MLS team now, but but Sacramento got held up by Miami. Yep. Sacramento got used because of Miami. And if anyone, if any of you have ever traveled to Miami, I have, they don't care about sports in Miami. They don't go to see sports in Miami. There are a million other things that people do in Miami, and and, and this is a vanity project for yes. This is a vanity project, uh, uh, and whatever. Okay, their 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 MLS team is going to be terrible. 
Uh, and I look forward to the day that the Republic wiped the floor with them. So I would say Miami. So you've covered Sacramento sports for pretty much its entirety for what I know. Um, <laughs> of these four professional players who were born in Sacramento, who deserves a statue for their accomplishments and what they did for their sport? So we have Dusty Baker, Summer Sanders, Kevin Johnson, and Teddy Bruschi. Who deserves a statue for their accomplishments and what they did for their sport? Well, uh, so I would eliminate Tony, Teddy Bruschi because he's from Roseville. Uh, so let, let's let Roseville build a statue to him. Uh, Summer Sanders is also from Roseville. There's a connection here. Um, a lot of Roseville hype here, right? I'm Roseville hype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Kevin Johnson, boy, uh, I think his his uh, his reputation needs some rehabilitating. So that yeah. just leaves the the Del Campo's own. Del Campo's own. Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker. Now, the hope is if we do this zoom podcast 10 years from now 20 years from now i'll be very old by then that there will be a soccer player who lit it up for the republic in the mls and that maybe we'll build a different statue there we go yeah. might I be like cameron nawasa hopefully hopefully that would be, be something yeah, yeah, yeah. Else. somebody Roro. yeah well he wasn't born in sacramento that's true he was he was socal <laughs> We adopted him as our own. He's ours now. You know, Cameron Iwasa, <laughs> his father is the police chief at Sac State. Really? Yeah. Oh, well. Did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So next question here, Marcos. Uh, what article that you've written do you wish that you can get back from the past 31 years? Oof. So um, when I was a rookie sports columnist covering – the 2001 American League Division Series between the New York Yankees and the Oakland A's, 9-11. Um, and I, um, I made the big mistake of um, after the A's won the first two games, I wrote the dreaded words, it's over. I read that. Uh, I read that. <laughs> and the Yankees – uh, came back to win the next three in a row to win the series. That was included where it was the Derek Jeter play where Jeremy Giambi forgot to slide. Um, so when the, when the fifth game ended and the, and the Yankees won the series, um, unbeknownst to me, that column had been picked up by almost every paper in America and they included my personal work phone number. And so when I was – at Chicago O'Hare, and I checked my voicemail messages. Um, I listened to some of the most creative um, uh, uses of profanity that I've ever heard in my life from Yankee fans. Um, and there was one particularly from a young woman who um, basically said that she had witnessed uh, Derek Jeter having a, shall we say, a sexual act perform on him and that this caller realized that it was my mother. Um, and so, um, so, so I wrote, uh, I wrote my, my, uh, my first uh, mea culpa, like 
there's no I in team, but I was wrong. Uh, and uh, I learned a valuable lesson uh, from that is, um, uh, you know, that's why they play the games. So it was a rookie mistake. And uh, uh, I'm not haunted by it. it. It was actually a kind of a funny memory, but uh, I've never done that since then. Did you call him to Danny or no? You can, <laughs> yeah, well, you can admit it. <laughs> Danny yeah, no, I, it's, it was, I, I thought, you know, the, the A's beat the, beat the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. The first two, they're going back to Oakland. There's no way, and it turns out there was a way. Uh, slide, Giambi, slide. Slide, Giambi, slide. slide. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was a shame that the A's had their slowest and least intelligent player standing on first base when Terrence Long doubled down the line. And if he had slid, it probably would have tied the game, but he did not slide. So, anyway, it was my loss uh, at that point. So, you live and you learn. What will be the lasting impact of COVID on sports? Well, um, you know, I think uh, uh, in the short term, it's, it's um, devastating uh, to all the sports leagues because, um, you know, seasons don't get canceled. Uh, there's very few times in, in the history of sports. The, the NHL lost an entire season once to a work stoppage. Uh, Major League Baseball lost one World Series because of a work stoppage. Um, Uh, and, um, you know, the Olympics were canceled twice, uh, because of world war II. Uh, and you know, this is because of a pandemic that uh, all of our major sports are uh, either being canceled or postponed. Um, and so in the short term, uh, it's a, it's a devastating impact. It's, uh, my heart particularly goes out to, uh, those people who work, uh, at the stadiums during the games. Um, You know, people who aren't millionaires, who depend on these games being played. Uh, uh, and uh, locally here in Sacramento, my heart goes out to all the restaurants and all the businesses that are in Doco and in and around um, the arena uh, because, you know, their big nights are when the Kings are playing. In the long term, I think it has made all of us um, love and miss our sports. Uh, I was watching on Twitter, there were a couple of people had posted these film compilations of different sports. Like there was one that I saw about baseball. And then I, I, I saw, I saw the, the goal in 2011 when Arsenal came from behind to beat Barcelona at the Emirates. And um, Andre Arshavin scored the go-ahead goal. And I was watching that game at De Beers and I screamed so loud that day that I hurt my throat uh, and, and, and just, I hadn't, I hadn't seen that goal in a long time. And then I, I Googled it. I, I rather, I went on YouTube and I found, I found a video of a fan who was in the arsenal section uh, when that goal was scored. And I, it's like, I took me back to that moment. And so, and I got a little emotional as I was watching that. And so um, uh, I think when the games start again, I think it's going to be emotional for a lot of us. Uh, and, and, um, and, and in the long run, I think it's going to, it's going to make us be even more passionate uh, as fans uh, because when it does come back, it's going to be a, a, a major void in our life that is, that is finally healed. And, and I look forward to that. Day. Yeah, definitely. Now let's uh, switch sports for a moment here. Um, currently, 
due to the uh, virus and everything, we've got a uh, our documentary going, The Last Dance. Can you give us your favorite Michael Jordan memory from his visits to uh, Arco Arena? Uh, so um, I used to be part of a season ticket group where um, you know a bunch of us would put our money in and you know, some people would get 10 games. I, I would, I could only afford like five games. And so we had a lottery. This is early nineties. And, and I, uh, I drew the, I drew the right straw. So I got the first pick and I picked the bulls game. Uh, and, and I sat down low and watched Jordan go head to head with Mitch Richmond. Uh, and, you know, um, to see Jordan close up, um, uh, and to see, I mean, Mitch Richmond really gave him a game. And unfortunately for Mitch, he had to pretty much play the whole game. He, he didn't, you know, they needed him out there. And so Jordan had time to sit and rest and, and the Bulls ended up pulling away and winning. Uh, but this was early nineties when they were in their heyday. And that was my favorite, my favorite time of witnessing Jordan play. And um, I'm very proud of this film. Jason here is the director Jason here directed the ill-fated, never-seen film about the Kings saving uh, the, the Kings being saved for Sacramento. Yours truly had a big part in that film, and um, I even went to New York for the screening at the Tribeca Film Festival. And Robert De Niro was there, and all the ESPN brass were there, and you know George Maloof was there and all these all these Sacramento people flew out Greg Lukenbell we all flew out and little did we know that Kevin Johnson's past would come back to haunt him one more time and then ESPN pulled the plug at the at the 11th hour pulled the plug on that film so uh, so but Jason obviously has gone on to to great things since then and uh, and this film is 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 just is not only I think it'd be It'd be unbelievable no matter even if it all the sports were going on but even more so because we don't have anything else to watch and it, it, it makes us appreciate how much we love sports and so he's done a great job and maybe someday his Sacramento film will be seen by somebody but uh, uh, it's been it's been thrilling for me to watch so going back to, to the EPL and Arsenal do you think Arsenal's gonna win the EPL in the next five years? I hope so, you know, um, but it, we have to do something that we haven't done uh, uh, in the uh, in the era that, that Stan Kroenke has owned the team, and that's to have um, uh, uh, a board and a, and a, a technical director and a, and a manager make the right decisions with the financial backing to bring in the players that that can consistently win. Um, uh, and we haven't had that. The, the, I would argue the last time we were legitimate title contenders was 07, 08, and that's a long time ago. Uh, even the season that Leicester won the league, you know, we beat Le we were the only team to beat Leicester twice that season, and then we remember we beat them at the last second on Valentine's Day. We were one point behind them, and everyone thought we were going to win the league, and then we went in the tank after that. Like we always do, uh, January, February, March, we go in the tank. Uh, and so the Premier League is about being consistent, and it's about getting, it's about winning at home, no matter what, 
and and it's then it's about getting something from games and avoiding losses and and our problem is we've we've lost like never before so we're we're we still have a ways to go a long ways to go before we can be considered title contenders and my hope is that within five years we can last question um for rapid fire if you could start a franchise with four players from any era of soccer, who are the four that you start your franchise with? Well, wow, man, I mean, I would, I would, you know, I would have, uh, I would have Thierry Henry and and uh, and Ronaldo up top. I would have Patrick Vieira as my as my defensive mid, and and uh, you know. I would have like a Pirlo uh, on my team for, for creativity. Um, and the thing of it is, is that Arsenal used to, Arsenal used to boast that kind of talent. We, we, there was a time when, you know, Gilberto was the captain of Brazil and he couldn't get in the starting lineup at Arsenal. That was when I became a fan of the team. Uh, you know, we had, 10, 12, 14 players, you know, playing for their, for their country. And not just, you know, not just secondary players like now, but I mean, they were, they were like the major players for their countries. So um, that's how I was introduced to, to, uh, to Arsenal. And, and my hope is that, <clears throat> that, uh, that we'll be that team again, but I've always, I've always gravitated toward the creative players and the, the, the uh, and so that would be the those would be the four. That I would now, choose. are you are you saying old Ronaldo or newer Ronaldo? Uh, I would say Cristiano. You know, when he was in his particularly in his early in his early iteration at at Real. Listen, man. I mean, and, and you know, Cristiano. You know, uh, he stepped on my heart in that in that world cup game against the United States where we had that game one. Uh, and then he laced that pass for the last second goal for Portugal that, 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 uh, that, that made it a draw. He, to, I mean, Cristiano is like, is like Jordan. I mean, he's, 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 uh, he's got the, 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 the God given skill and the, 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 the outsized ego and the, the, the tireless work ethic and, and then just like the, the insatiable appetite, you put all those qualities together and, and then you have a great player who can, who can stretch the years that he can play because even if he isn't as fast as he used to be, he's smarter and, and more efficient than he, than he ever has been. And uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's one of my, that's one of my main guys. I could never forgive him for uh, that fake injury against England in the World Cup, getting the red card. That was a long time ago, man. I was at I was at Streets of London for that game. I was in Belgium, and uh, yeah, that the whole crowd was just laughing because I was. I mean, that in the Union at, at that game at, at Streets, these English guys came out of the woodwork. I, I'm talking about the guys with like no front teeth, you know, and the skinheads, and probably I mean, my cousins. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, we were, and we were, we were all drinking heavily very early on a Saturday morning in July of uh, of two thousand and six. Um, but for England, I mean, they, you know, they couldn't score. <laughs> they couldn't score. So, uh, but yeah, I, I remember that game vividly. There's so many, 
It's like that, you know, the Dos Acero game is streets. Uh, that game in 2006 also is streets. You know, the 2010 game where Landon scored against Algeria at the last second at De Beers. And we were crammed in so tight for that game. It, it was like a fire marshal situation. And when he scored, that place went ballistic. And then it was early in the morning. We all came spilling out on the street and people were honking their horns. And for like, like this much, it felt like we were like in Europe or Latin America someplace. And people were chanting USA. I mean, those are, those are great memories. And it, it, it sort of, those, those memories have kind of chronicled the, the evolution of the soccer community in Sacramento. And it's been great to watch. For sure. It's always a good, a good opportunity to get out and experience something new in culture and bring people together. So you made it through the rapid fire questions, Marcos. Good job. You didn't pass. You didn't pass at all. So uh, now it's time for the last call. And what I want to ask you is what does community mean to you? I mean, community is what we're missing right now. Community for me from, uh, from Sacramento is, uh, is De Beers, uh, you know, being squeezed in tight with a bunch of people watching the soccer game. I, and I've, I've watched endless World Cup games there, uh, the European championships, the most recent ones when, 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 uh, uh, when France prevailed. And, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, for me, Sacramento is the, the first night of the first home game at Republic at, 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 um, at Hughes Stadium. Uh, uh, you know, and, 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 and experiencing that and being out among people. I think part of our culture in Sacramento, part of our, part of our community culture is what's been taken away from us right now is, is congregating uh, at, at events where, where we're all really into either a, a, a band, which is I was looking forward to going to Aftershock this October and seeing Metallica play. And I very much doubt that that's going to happen now. And, or or being at the second Saturday art walk or or being at a Republic game or, or the Kings game. Uh, and so that's community to me, being at one of our great restaurants. All these restaurants are closed now. Um, it's being out with people. Uh, and, and I think that's that's part of our culture in Sacramento. And, and we don't have that now. And, and, and I, uh, I can't wait till we have it again. Now, where can people follow and interact with you uh, on social media? So, um, I mean, I'm not doing it now, obviously, but but uh, they can uh, at Marcos Breton, M-A-R-C-O-S-B-R-E-T-O-N on Twitter. Um, and, you know, um, I even say in my, in my Twitter profile, I, I sometimes am emotional about Arsenal Football Club. And I probably have cost myself followers where if I just kept it to politics or whatever, but uh, when uh, when my team is playing, I, I it's the one sport where I allow myself to be just a complete idiot because uh, I you know it's across the pond. I'm not covering it. I can just be a fan, and and I have I have probably embarrassed myself uh, uh, many times uh, on Twitter because of my team. But but um, I don't care. That's part of what makes life uh, li- worth living. And um, the time that I got to. Arsenal play at a Bias Stadium in San Jose a couple of years ago when they played against the MLS All Stars. I mean, that was one of my great, uh, my great sporting moments is, is seeing a bunch of people 
who were wearing this, uh, and we all sort of congregated uh, in San Jose, and, and I got to see Arsene Wenger when he was still there, and, and all the players that I've watched, um, you know, those are, those are beautiful uh, memories, and, um, uh, and I miss that. Yeah, I know that feeling too. I went to, to a game uh, two years ago. It was a friendly Cruz Azul against the Earthquakes. And, you know, just being there, seeing all the fans, seeing our, our local supporters group out there was, was just an amazing experience too. So, so Marcos, you know, we want to thank you for taking the time to join us today. And we look forward to having another opportunity to talk to you. And, hey, hopefully reading that front page article of Sacramento Republic's first MLS game written by you. I'm looking forward to that. I'm hoping that I'm still with the B uh, when that happens. Um, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I, I've really enjoyed this and, and I'd like to do it again at some point. Awesome. Well, we look for anytime you want to come on and talk soccer. We're always open. All right, guys. Thank you. All right, Marcos. Thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it, man. One. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Marcos. Today's guest was brought to you by the Mikuni Dreamline. All Mikuni restaurants are now open, but if you can't get there, it's still easy to get your favorite dishes using the Mikuni app. Please make sure to pre-order, and when you arrive, they will deliver your meal straight to your car. Visit them today at mikunisushi.com or download their app, available in the App Store or Google Play. All right, guys, remember to follow us on our Facebook groups as well. Uh, we are a at Sacramento Soccer Fans on Facebook. You can also find us on our Sacktown FC podcast Facebook group as well. Uh, we are also on Twitter and IG, both of those at Sacktown FC. And also, whoa, we- whoa, whoa, Danny, Danny, don't forget our friends over at the California Storm Soccer. You can follow them at calstormsoccer.com. Uh, follow them at calstormsoccer on IG and Twitter or uh, on Facebook at California Storm. Also, if any of you are gamers out there, we actually have a couple of different ways that you guys can play against us or watch our video games. Uh, you can find us on Twitch under Sacktown FC. You can watch, uh, we usually play FIFA. Usually it's me on Xbox on there. So check it out and be on the lookout on social media as you know, I'll usually announce a day before, sometimes a couple hours before that I'll be going on the channel live. So check that out. Um, if you have Xbox, you can add us under our gamer tag of Sacktown FC. If you have PlayStation, you can add us under Sacktown underscore FC. Again, we mainly play FIFA 20 on there. So if you have that game, if you have either consoles, then send us a message. And, you know, we are up to any challenge. But as we usually say, please don't rage quit because we will call you out as we did previously with another person that rage quit that played against me. You can also find us at sacktownfc.com where you can find out how our show got started. You can check out some of our episodes if you choose to listen to them on our website rather than on the app. You can also find out more about the squadron, which is form of our supporters group where you can get a lot of amazing perks. We have it listed there on the website. There's different membership tiers. So we recommend you check that out. You can also find some of Soccer Pulse articles on there. So please check that out. You can also contact us if you have any questions, if you have comments on the show, anything you want to talk to us about, fill out that form and we'll get back to you shortly. 
All right, guys, that is all we have for today's episode. A special thanks to Marcos Bertone from The Bee for taking the time to join us today and for you, of course, for listening. And remember to have your notifications on as we know you don't want to miss our new episodes and make sure to subscribe and give us some positive comments and check out our episodes at sacktownfc.com. Thank you, guys. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day. Have a good one. Cheers, everybody. Have a good rest of your day.